In this sermon series, we're studying the wisdom psalms. These lyrical lessons to live by proclaim practical understanding for our daily lives while pointing us to Jesus, the very embodiment of all wisdom. This content comes from Mercy Village Church in Barbersville, West Virginia, and you can learn more at www.mercyvillage.church. Have you ever felt like you needed wisdom before? Uh, I know that we just came out of a season where that was obvious. Um, some of you are thinking, yeah, maybe some wisdom about whether or not to meet outside on a 90-degree day. Well, pray for us then. See, that's the thing. Maybe you're not praying enough for the leadership of this church. This might make it obvious to you. So uh, get busy with that. But no, we did just come out of a season with COVID-19, and it seems like we're coming out of it. There's light at the, the end of the tunnel for sure. I mean, but uh, where we needed wisdom. I, especially early on. I don't know if you remember those first few weeks, just what do we do? Do we go out? Do we stay in? Can I shop? Is it safe? Do I mean, remember all that? People were sanitizing their groceries and stuff. I mean, it was wild. We'd never faced that before. And and even as the light at the end of the tunnel uh, comes to us, there's still so many things that lead us to need wisdom at a broad social uh, society level. You've got all these things happening, all these things that we feel like we need to weigh in on, whether it's immigration or what it means to be woke or gender fluidity or, you know, on and on the list could go of all the, the things that are just all over the place in our society. And then on top of all that, we have our own personal needs for wisdom. I, I know I personally need wisdom as a, as a parent, as a spouse. I need wisdom as a neighbor. I need wisdom in my job. I need wisdom with my finances. I need wisdom with my with how I uh, I treat those around me. We all need wisdom. And so today I hope we we feel that need and know that need that we have for wisdom because as we come to the the 112th psalm we're going to we're going to encounter wisdom once again. We've only got 3 sermons remaining in this series through the wisdom psalms lyrical lessons to live by, and, and, and today we kind of transition into a new feel of, of psalm. Up till now, they've all been a comparison psalms, like real contrasty, almost equally talking about the ways of the world's wisdom and the ways of God's wisdom. But today it's going to highlight, Psalm 112 is going to highlight the blessings that come with God's wisdom. And so almost this entire psalm is just going to show us the blessings that belong to those who walk in God's wisdom. And so not only will we see today that we need wisdom, but we will see that we also need the blessings that are bestowed on those who walk in wisdom. And so what we'll see today is that the way of God's wisdom is the way of God's blessings. That's the same way. The way to God's blessings is the way of God's wisdom. And in Jesus, all these promised blessings are yes and amen for the children of God. You see, we follow after God not just out of drudgery, not just out of family tradition, but there's promised blessings for the children of God. And so we, we follow after those. So, Father, today what we know not, please teach us. What we are not, please make us. And what we have not, please Give us the psalm kicks off verse one of Psalm 112. Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. And what we see in this very first verse is something we've seen through all these wisdom psalms. True blessing comes with God's wisdom. It doesn't come with our wisdom. 
It comes with God's wisdom. One of the biggest themes of the wisdom Psalms is that being blessed comes with a condition. And that condition is walking in God's way. That being blessed is, is available to all. We saw that in Psalm 49. Psalm 49 said, hear this all peoples. Give ear all inhabitants of the world, both low and high, rich and poor together. My mouth shall speak wisdom. The meditation of my heart shall be understanding. It's open to all, but it is only received by those who respond to it by listening and following after God. Another thing we've seen throughout these is that the way of wisdom is the death of self-reliance. It's us having to come to the end of ourselves and say that my wisdom is not enough. My plans are not enough. My dreams are not enough. But the wisdom of God is what I need. The way of God is the way I need to follow. It's a death of, of self, self-reliance. We're going to see three more things today. True wisdom comes only in submitting to God's word. Biblical wisdom it imitates God. It acts like Him. It, 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 it reflects His image. And lastly, with true wisdom comes true blessing. The first we already read. True wisdom comes only in submitting to God's Word. And so that's why the psalmist, who's unnamed in this psalm, we don't know who wrote this one. He says, Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, respects the Lord, loves the Lord, who greatly delights in His commandments, His Word. One of the biggest, uh, or, or, or wisdom comes from God, and one of the primary places we know God is in His Word. We know God through His Word. We know God through Jesus. We see God made manifest with skin on in Jesus. We know God through the Holy Spirit as He illuminates to us truth. And we know God through the body of Christ, too. The people of God, right, together. Uh, historically and communally, we come to know God through His church. But all of those things point to God's Word. Every one of those things. The Holy Spirit, His work is to illuminate the Word of God to us, the truth about God. Jesus is referred to as the Word made flesh who dwelt among us. He was the Word of God with skin on. And the church, historically and communally, right, has served a role with a measure of authority to help with the understanding of what? The Word of God. And so it is the Word of God, not by our own translation or just picking and choosing bits of pieces about it, but the whole counsel of God understood through the power of the Holy Spirit, understood through the example of Jesus' life, and understood within the context of, and leadership of the church that guides us. And true wisdom is found in God's word, and true wisdom is the only way to true blessing. But yet, instead of delighting in the word, so often times I look to other places for wisdom. If you scrolled far enough back um, in my social media, probably not too far back in my social media, you'd probably find a, a pithy statement that I wrote or, or an article that I shared. And if you were to really examine it against the Word of God, you might say, actually, that doesn't line up with God's Word. It's because at the time I thought, that sounds wise. And so I posted it or shared it. Or here's another way to think about it. Does the advice of a trusted friend, right, somebody who, 
who has given you good advice in the past, does, does that advice, though, at the same time get in line behind the Word of God? Is it understood through the truth of the Word of God, the lyrics of a catchy song that, that maybe you feel like you relate to, or a best-selling author, even if they're a Christian one, uh, pithy sayings from your grandma, right? Like, we'll echo those throughout our lifetime, but do they find their place in line behind the Word of God? True wisdom is found in the Bible. And so we must submit ourselves to the Word of God. And that's where true blessing is found, and that's the heart of this psalm. And it really just is a list of bullet points here. The next eight verses are the blessings of God that are poured out on those who walk in the ways of wisdom, who walk in the ways of God. And so we get to rejoice in these things together today as the true children of God. And if you're not a child of God, you have an opportunity today to know Him through Jesus. And these blessings can be yours as well. You'll see them in two categories. One is blessings of the promises of God that are being fulfilled in our lives. So there's promises being fulfilled. And the other is uh, our character is being transformed. And so there's blessings or there's promises being being fulfilled and there's transformation happening in our lives. And so in verses 2 through 6, we see a bullet point list of promises fulfilled. Verse 2 says his offspring, again, the person who delights in the way of God, the person who walks in the wisdom of God, his offspring will be mighty in the land. The generations of the upright will be blessed. One blessing for those who walk in the wisdom of God is generational lineage. Uh, Wisdom flows downhill generationally. And we know this experientially. Now, all of us, every single one of us could point to an exception of maybe a child from a family that proclaimed wisdom and proclaimed truth who who just went off in their own way. And so this isn't a a promise that is uh, with 100%, you know, all the time, this is the way it works. It's more of a general statement that is generally borne out as true. Those who live in wisdom will see that wisdom flow downhill generationally. It'll pass on. Uh, to the next one. The apple doesn't fall far from the, from the tree. So wisdom follows wisdom. Promise Another promise, verse 3, wealth and riches are in his house and his righteousness endures forever. Now, this requires some discernment, right? Because we live in a world where all I ever wanted was a roly-roly. Is like, like we like feel like that's like some sort of statement that matters. Right, but God laughs at that. You understand that, right? Like, and I'm not, you know, whatever, listen to the song, that's fun. But God laughs at that. That's not his idea of riches. That's not his idea of wealth. When he says that, that he will make his people rich and wealthy, he's not talking about opulence. He's not talking about four watches. That's not his point. In fact, he gives us a clue in that verse. He says it will be the righteousness that endures forever. You see, God blesses his children spiritually with riches beyond our wildest imaginations. But he also blesses us physically. But oftentimes what he blesses us with is just enough. Hear hear me say this today. God will give you everything you need. He will. Now, he gets to define the terms of what you need. Sometimes that's difficult for us to, to deal with. But he will give you everything you need to accomplish what he desires you to accomplish. And so you will read scriptures all throughout the Bible that say that that the children of God, God will supply all of their needs, that they will never lack bread, that there will be, right, like that they will have, that's the point of it, 
Oftentimes, though, what God gives his children as riches is what they need now, not what they need, you know, for generations to come in their bank portfolio. But the riches we have spiritually cannot cannot be measured. And so he promises generational lineage, lasting riches on his terms. Promise of light for the living, verse four, light for living, direction. Light dawns in the darkness for the upright. This is verse 4. He is gracious and merciful and righteous. When we need to know where to go, when we need to know how to think about life, there's light. Through the wisdom of God, we begin to understand when we face a tough decision, this is the right way to go. When we have a difficult dilemma in life, uh, there's light that is shed on that through the wisdom of God. And in the evidence of it is in the second line of that verse. We become people who are marked by grace and mercy and righteousness. You want to know if someone's walking in the light, look for those things. Look for their life to manifest grace and mercy and righteousness. Verse 5 has the promise that it will be well. It is well with the man who deals generously and lends, who conducts his affairs with justice. It reminds me of that hymn that was written in deep sorrow when peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot you have taught me to say it is well, it is well with my soul. That's the promise for the children of God who walk in his wisdom that it's going to be okay, right? Even in sorrow and pain, even in the good times and the bad times, it's going to be all right. Not flippantly, like, oh, it's going to be okay, right? Like, like that's the great husband line that I often, oh, it's going to be all right. Don't worry about it. Or I give it to my kids sometimes. How comforting. Yeah, it's going to be okay. Suck it up. It's going to be okay. But no, a genuine promise that, yes, it is going to be okay. The last promise that we see fulfilled is in verse 6. It's a promise of legacy and triumph. For the righteous will never be moved. He will be remembered forever. The last line of verse 8 says, until he looks in triumph on his adversaries. The last two lines of verse 9 say, his righteousness endures forever. His horn is exalted in honor. These are all promises that what God accomplishes in his children will live beyond this life. That there will be a lasting legacy for the children of God that goes beyond our lifetime. And not only that, but there will be triumph. Because God is invincible and his plans therefore are invincible and so to walk in his ways of wisdom is to walk in ways that are invincible the next set of promises there's only three of them they're quick are promises of transformation of who we are not only does god give us blessings tangible things in our lives but he also changes who we are verse 7 shows us that he makes us people who can withstand bad news Verse 7 says, he is not afraid of bad news. His heart is firm, trusting in the Lord. The person who walks in the wisdom of God, right, can handle bad news when it comes. There's bad news everywhere, by the way. In fact, we live in an age where we've had to uh, come up with this term called doom scrolling. Has anybody heard of doom scrolling? That's what is described when we're scrolling through our Facebook feeds and all we see is bad news after bad news after dilemma after problem after trouble, right? You go to CNN.com or whatever news source you go to and you will doom scroll, right? Like that's what they'll call it. You'll see thing after thing after thing that you have to worry about. I saw this tweet the other day by uh, a pastor named uh, Glenn Packeem and he said that 
He said, I had coffee today with a counselor who attends our church. And part of the conversation was his observation about why doom scrolling causes so much anxiety. And he said this, it introduces us to problems beyond the scope of our agency. And when our awareness outpaces our agency, we are left with anxiety. Here's the point he's making. When we scroll through and we see problem after problem that we can't control, that we can't solve, that we can't fix, we see that these things are beyond our agency, beyond our ability. And the more of that we see, the less uh, comfort we feel and the more anxiety is brought to us. But the people of God can see those things and remain, remain comfortable, can stand firm, can withstand that bad news. That's the promise. That we can withstand bad news because the wisdom of God gives us eternal vision, not temporal sight. We see the end of the story. Uh, he transforms us into people who are steady. His heart is steady. He will not be afraid until he looks in triumph on his adversaries, verse 8. That we are people in the ups and downs who are marked by humility and kindness and integrity and confidence and faith. Right? Like, I change sometimes when my kids make me upset. I become a slightly different person if I'm not living in step with the Holy Spirit. When my wife frustrates me or when maybe uh, something changes in my to-do list or the plan for the day, right? But God says that He's transforming us and will continue to transform us into people who are more steady. We're able to walk through the ups and downs of life and maintain our, our faithfulness. And then lastly, people of generous justice. Verse 9 says, He has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. His horn is exalted forever. If you remember verse 5, there were two lines there. He deals generously and lends, and he conducts his affairs with justice. When God transforms his children, he transforms us into people who give away our time, our talents, and our treasures. Not for uh, quid pro quo, right? Not to get back what we can out of it. Not to gain fame or recognition, but to give to those in need. To give to, th- to mobilize the, the kingdom of God. Our time, our talents, our treasures. And we're people who seek justice. Every single one of us, and I know this privilege is a buzzword, right? Right now. But all of us have some form of privilege where we are. Uh, whether it's a dad to his children or whatever. You know, like think about your life. There are places that you have privilege, you have impact, you have influence. The child of God uses that influence, that impact, not for self-preservation, not for self-promotion, but for the good of others, for justice. And God's wisdom transforms us into those people. So there's our list. That with the wisdom of God comes the blessing of God. That there's generational lineage for those who walk in the wisdom of God. It flows downhill generationally. There's lasting riches defined by God's terms for those who walk in the ways of God. There's light for living. There's a promise that it will be well. There's legacy. There's triumph. I want and need all of those things. Not only that, but the transformation of us into people who can withstand bad news, who are steady, through the ups and downs of life, and who give generously and live for justice. So not only do we need wisdom, but we need the blessings that come with wisdom. And so the good news for us today as we close is that Jesus is the one who provides that for us. Verse 2 gave us the promise of lineage. 
Hebrews tells us that Jesus brings many sons and daughters to glory generationally. And today, if you sit here as a child of God, you testify to the reality that that promise has been fulfilled. That Jesus generationally has raised up for himself children who follow after the ways of Christ. Verse 2 finds its fulfillment in Jesus. Verse 3 gave us a promise of lasting riches. And 2 Corinthians 2, 8 and 9 tells us that Jesus, who was rich beyond measure, became poor so that we might be made rich. Verse 3 finds its fulfillment in, in Jesus. We're made rich with his righteousness that endures Forever. Verse 4 gave us a promise of light for the living. And in, and in John 8, 12, Jesus comes as the light of the world. And that light shines into the darkness. That promise of verse 4 is fulfilled in Jesus. Verse 5, the promise that it will be well. Hebrews tells us that Jesus will never leave us or forsake us, but stands with us to be our help. Even in times of trouble, he makes it well. And not only that, but Revelation looks forward to the day when Jesus says, I am making all things new. The promise that it will be well is fulfilled. In Jesus, verse 6, the promise of legacy and triumph. Jesus conquers the grave in the Gospels. And in Revelation, we see Jesus conquering forever all the enemies of God. The promise of verse 6 finds its fulfillment in Jesus. And the transformation of our lives, that's exemplified in, in Jesus. Jesus looked towards the cross, which was bad news, but he endured that bad news, right? With a heart that stood firm, and he said, not my will, but yours be done. And he went to the cross, and so he can transform us into people who can endure bad news and do what's right even in the face of it. Jesus was steady while he was beaten, mocked, and scorned. Like a lamb led to the slaughter, he opened not his mouth. He remained steady and and steadfast, and he can transform us into people who are the same. At the cross came justice. Through the finished work of Jesus on the cross, God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. So God still justly punished sin while extending mercy to his children as all the wrath of God came out down on Jesus instead of us. Justice fulfilled so that generously he can pour out on us, John 1.16, grace upon grace upon grace. And that's why in 1 Corinthians or 2 Corinthians 5.21, we have this promise. Therefore, for our sake, oh wait, wrong verse, I'm sorry. Wow, that really, that really killed the mood, didn't it? Second Corinthians 1 is where I'm going. This was the big crescendo, everybody, and I blew it. Don't tell anybody. My post-it notes are the problem. Okay. For all the promises of God, every single one of them, the ones we just read in Psalm 112, the rest of them all throughout Scripture, they find their yes in Him. That is why through Him we utter our amen to God for His glory. All the promises of God find their yes and amen in Jesus. And so today, if you're a child of God, delight yourself in the way of God. And Jesus will be your power to do that. 
Jesus will be the power, right? The one who has made it possible for all the blessings of God to be fulfilled in you. And he is the one who has set the example of what it looks like to live in the transformation that he will empower us to have. And so for that to be true, back to verse 1, we must be people who delight in the word of God. So read it. Come to it. We, uh, when we first got married, we were spoiled rotten. Uh, Sarah's mom had two houses, and so she let us live in one, and it had a pool. And uh, that's not a blessing, actually. It's a curse if you've ever owned one. There's a lot of work. It's better to move in next door to someone with a pool than to actually have one yourself. So we would do all the work on the pool, but then it would become time to, like, mow the grass. And we had, like, four acres of land, and so there was a lot of riding mowing and then weed eating and push mowing. And by the time I was done, then I found myself thankful for that pool. Because that's the first place I would go, was to the pool. And then I felt the need for it, and I felt the appreciation for it, even though it was super hard work. Might we come to the Word of God that way? Not out of drudgery, but out of delight. That in the Word of God, we find, like I found in that pool, relief and comfort and rest and peace, and infinitely more than that pool could have ever provided. We find that in the Word of God and all the blessings that are ours delighting in the Word of God. If I could pray anything for us this morning, it would be that all of us would have that type of hunger and that type of delight in the Word of God. I pray that for myself. And not only that, but might we love the God of the Word. Do you love Him? Like, really love the God of the Word. Is He your portion? Is He your reward? Is he your friend? Is he your groom like the, like the Bible describes him? If I'm honest, he's not always for me. There are things that I delight in more than him. But might we, by God's grace, be transformed into people who delight in him? If you're not a Christian, I didn't forget verse 10. Verse 10 of Psalm 112 says, The wicked man sees the blessings of the righteous and he's angry. He gnashes his teeth and melts away. The desires of the wicked will perish. The end for the one who does not walk in God's ways, who does not walk in the wisdom of God, is to perish. But just like we said last week, that doesn't have to be the end for you. That famous verse, John 3.16, we quoted it last week as well. God loved the world so much, He gave His only Son, Jesus, that whoever believes in Him will not perish, but have everlasting life. If you're not a Christian, trust Jesus today. Jesus died on the cross in your place. He took the punishment for sin, your sin, that you deserved so that you could be made right with God. Trust Him today and be saved. And all the blessings of Psalm 112 and of the Word of God can be yours. And perishing can be a distant memory of your past because your new reality will be eternal life. In Christ. Your new reality would be that the way of God's wisdom is the way of God's blessings. And in Jesus, all of his promised blessings are yes and amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much that in you and in your wisdom we have blessings. I cannot do them justice today. <laughs> if, I could, if we could really recognize all that you've given to us, all that you've promised to us, 
I, I don't know if our hearts would ever leave a place of gratitude. But I know I personally and many of us are so easily distracted from the magnitude of all that you have given us in Christ. And so clear that away today, even as we just close this gathering by celebrating communion, might we see your promises, your blessings for us and have deep gratitude in our hearts for all that you have done. And may that then pour out into the week to come that we will live as people who are being transformed that we'll be steady, that we won't fear bad news, that we'll be generous, that we'll be just, and that we will see the true wisdom of God made manifest in our day-to-day lives. That will only happen by your grace. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening, and if you haven't already, we would love for you to join the work of God as Jesus builds Mercy Village Church. You can learn more at our website at www dot mercyvillage dot church